Okay, Daniel. Big weekend in the Premier League. United beat Bournemouth 1 0. Oh, what a result. Yes. <laughs> the, the most important game of the week. Yeah, it's funny. I've just been, I've just, we're just recording this pod after I've had to live blog City. We're not winning the league because the league was won, but yeah, but intimating excitement at this fine young team <laughs> of brave warriors. And actually was, I've had to do this twice and this was better Yeah, because the last time I had to do it, it was an afternoon game against Huddersfield at home. City were home to Huddersfield. I spent the morning writing a reflective piece about Fergie having died because it was the day after he had that brain hemorrhage. Yeah. And I was about to spend the afternoon live blogging City getting the league title. And I had a look at the odds and I thought, fuck it, I'll stick a couple of hundred quid or whatever it was on City to beat Huddersfield just so I make this day's work that's been dreadful worth a little bit more money. And they somehow draw nil nil with Huddersfield. So <laughs> that is a hat trick of sheer awfulness. So that actually made today like a birthday present. Really, awesome. But yeah, I, I, you know, I kind of I talked about it at length with Wayne on the midweek pod, of which people noted <laughs> we talked about it at length. But I can't, I can't find myself like caring that much. Liverpool winning is obviously a dagger to the back, but City, it just doesn't feel real. So I mean, it's not, is it? Well, it's, that's you know, this is what fantasy football. Yeah, I mean, this is what we have to do. So it's really hard to separate. What the reality is, like how we really feel, and this is generally, I guess, something that's quite hard about life. Oh, this is deep, this, isn't it? But <laughs> separating how we feel in a moment, how we actually feel from how we think we should feel to how we're telling ourselves we should feel. And yeah, I know sure, yeah. I know that the treble is something that is extremely dear to me. I mean, it's obviously extremely yeah. dear to all of us, so I'm not about to pretend I appreciated it more than anyone else, because I'm sure I didn't. It just so happened that, it happened, it was my first year of being in charge of my own football going, it was 98, 99. I was 19. I was going to some games on my own, mostly I'm going to games on my own, so I didn't have any mates. And it felt, I guess, like some sort of coming of age experience. I then wrote a book about treble season, which, so I felt like I always had some kind of bond with it. So I valued it quite heavily to the point where yeah, I was almost kind of relieved when United got knocked out of the cup to Portsmouth in 08. Because I felt at that point, I felt like the treble team was better. And I wanted, I sort of wanted the achievement to stay special. Obviously, now I'm sitting here thinking, absolute dickhead. But because it does, when you, it does feel inevitable that City are going to do it. And I mean, well, I guess we'll talk about that at some point in the future about the FA Cup. But it, it doesn't, it's not so much for me about the hatred of Liverpool versus City. I guess I grew up in an era when Liverpool were winning everything. I didn't grow up in playgrounds yeah. in Manchester. So I, I didn't have blues around me all the time. So yeah, I guess I probably did do hate Liverpool more than I hate City. But hey, I've got plenty of hatred to go around. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, <laughs> equal opportunities hate Yeah, here, exactly. You know? I don't like to decide, I like to discriminate. But yeah, like, there is a sense of unreality about C because we can just explain it away. Whereas I remember when Brendan Rodgers nearly won the league with Liverpool. And I was thinking, yep. hang on, if he pulls this off, this is yeah. like an all-time achievement. Yeah. And I was not, and I was absolutely despising that. Whereas, yeah, we can, we can, and also, I mean, Klopp taking a, a title off, taking a title off Guardiola is not sure. an easy thing to do. Only three managers have done it. Mourinho. Yeah, yeah, right. Mourinho Conte yeah. in the first season he was in England when he inherited someone else's yeah. team that wasn't perfect because he wanted it, which is 
what he requires and what he always has. Uh, that's right. Um, yeah, Mourinho Klopp, Mourinho uh, content Klopp. And yeah. taking a title off that, that guy is difficult. And in this situation, it's difficult because the game is rigged. Well, that's that's right. There's 11 titles in 14 years as a manager, which is incredible and would rank him alongside the very best ever. But he never took a team in the relegation zone and won 13 titles with them, did he? So he, it's, he's, he's, won, uh, he's, I mean, he's still one of the greatest ever and he's great in a different he, way. He, he is, but, but how, how do you qualify it? Because he's had Messi... By an he's bald, obviously. state wealth, it's and he's bald, and and he's a fucking hypocrite. So it, it's it's just really. I mean, I don't think I don't like... think Fergie's getting out of that one though. No, 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 sure. <laughs> but I think what Guardiola's brilliant at. I can't believe we're having to do this. Fucking twats, United. What what Guardiola? What Guardiola's brilliant at. What he's probably the best at is extracting the very most from elite level talents, right. and. It, and his football is not, the, in my opinion, the best football to watch. It doesn't make me feel stuff inside. In the, it's like looking, it's like looking at a piece of art. Whereas I want game of football to be like going into the mosh pit, and I want it to speak to me on a much more visceral level than that. Mm-hmm. And I'm, there'll be people that disagree with me. And it's not a right or wrong thing. But what Guardiola is amazing at is getting the most out of the best players that, and pushing the game along. And it's not right to say Fergie didn't do that. He absolutely did. He, I'm not about it's going to sound like I'm saying he invented counterattacks. I'm not. But the way that you that his first United team counterattacked, I, no one had ever done that before in English football, in any yeah. football that I'd ever watched. No one had a goalkeeper hurling the ball halfway down the pitch and suddenly goal. That 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 was I would say Fergie's big contribution. But the drive to keep going and going the. The managing each player as individuals. If you're telling me that didn't change the game, if any if any manager now is managing in football and not thinking, what did Fergie do to make that happen? Then mm-hmm. that's very silly. In just the same way that Guardiola will look at what Klopp's doing, or look further back to what Cruyff did, or look what Sarki no, did. No, sure. And so the yeah. idea that Fergie was just some luddite who didn't understand the game would do anything to the game is fucking bollocks. Isn't he? Wasn't no. It's it's obviously nonsense. And I mean, I think part of part of that debate, and it's a false debate, is that there's no one distinct style that you like associate with Fergie's football, whereas you do with Guardiola and you do with Klopp and uh, and Esaki to some extent, uh, and Johan Cruyff and all of that, right? So Fergie reinvented himself and aspects of the game over and over again. And and part of part of doing that is that you can't stick a label on him. Anyway, I. You know, I, don't, I just don't, it's, I think my original point was not to try and compare Fergie and Guardiola and, and all the great managers. It, it's just like, it's really hard to place Guardiola in that debate. I mean, obviously he's created these brilliant sides, completely dominant in a way that, like you, I don't find particularly entertaining. But he he's never done that from a kind of neutral position like like every other manager has had to do go and build something i mean he inherited the barcelona side with messi xavi iniesta busquets came slightly later and all these brilliant players and molded them into a brilliant team don't don't but get busquets me wrong there. played that first um, champions league final that he won in that first season busquets yeah. busquets was he, he busquets was good to go cuz i remember thinking oh that's yeah. nice Torres going to play centre back and we've got some kid I've never heard of who's playing in that spot where Rooney might be. 
and then after about an hour, and yeah, I like was this, really, I'd had, a lot, yeah. I'd had a lot to drink in Rome, but still, after an hour, I I was thinking, I, I was saying, oh, this guy's good, and I, yeah. I was wait, I had, I had a spare ticket, and I was waiting for the lad I was passing it on to to arrive, and I also felt like I could handle another drink, but there was an exclusion zone of, of drinking of booze around the stadium. So I just start like mooching about while I'm waiting and I found kind of, I guess, a half full plastic bottle of Courvoisier, like not a full, not a full <laughs> bottle, but you know, like one of those medium sized ones. And it yeah. was soon an X half bottle of Courvoisier. And luckily I, 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 yeah, I, that classy Daniel. <laughs> Courvoisier, what are you saying? <laughs> yeah. I, 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 it's a funny thing actually, Brandy, because Brandy, I guess, like, as Jews drink whiskey or vodka, depending on where they're from, like, sort of Jews like me, so kind of what we call, like, modern Orthodox or whatever, or co- those kind of Jews, Flexidox Jews, drink, like, whiskey is, like, for us, culturally a big thing. Like, when I was a kid, right. like, if you fade as a teenager, you fade an interest in whiskey when you're about 13, and suddenly all these, like, your friend's dads are pouring you this one and that one. And then that's, <laughs> that's how it passes on, I think. You're fading interest in whiskey to get pissed when really you just be happy with some Johnny Walker Red Label. And I said it like the the kind of ultra orthodox they can they tend to drink vodka, right. but so brandy doesn't really it's not really in my life brandy. But it was in my life just before that game where we got battered by Barcelona the first time. We 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 really did, yeah. But again, somehow to round out my point, I mean it was not only that team, and then at Bayern. Like, does when you were buying count anymore? I mean, they've won 11 the last They're, 12 did league titles Dortmund, Did Dortmund beat Augsburg today? <laughs> they, if, if Dortmund win the last two Dortmund games, Dortmund beat Augsburg, yeah. Yeah, they can but still yeah, win the I, league. But yeah, your point is obviously, incredible. yeah, they do yeah. almost always win the league. And That's right. And, and, and the, the, mere, the mere hint that they might not win the league this season got the manager sacked. So uh, they were. I mean, I watched a bit of Bayern. They were a bit of a mess. Like when when it worked, they were they were handed out some real hidings when it worked. Mm-hmm. But I remember at the time when they fired Nagelsmann, they got Tuchel. I felt like that that gave them a chance of beating City that I didn't think Nagelsmann Bayern had. And actually, mm-hmm. I mean, over the two legs, it, obviously City were better, and it doesn't look close. It was a bit closer than the score says it was that game. So yeah, I I I felt like, but we did get unlucky that. Bayern, because Bayern have got some amazing players, and it is unfortunate that this year City are beating everyone. Bayern happened to be a bit of an unnecessary mess, but yeah, as you say yeah. about Guardiola, he had and then he bought by he has Eto, he buy he has he has Henri, he buys David Villa, he buys Latan, it doesn't work. So yeah, he he's always had the best players in every league he's ever been in. He hasn't had to like get proper performances out of massive donkeys. No, because he just swaps them when they he doesn't like them as well. And, you know, and that, that that's the real cheating at City is that he can have two world class players for every position and it doesn't matter. And also, it's so. also if you buy if you buy someone who isn't good enough, it doesn't matter. You just buy. It took him three goalkeepers, didn't it? You just yeah. You just buy. You just buy someone else. And the thing now is, you look at it and you think, well, what do they actually need this season? Who are they going to buy? Because they don't actually require very much. A left, a specialist left back, maybe a winger. Yeah, if maybe gonna... they'll. Re- Foden's going to play. Replace Bernardo Silva if he leaves. He, I mean, I mean yeah, Gundogan might leave. Bernardo yeah. Silva won't leave. I mean, he's one of those players, and I hated myself for saying this at the time. I had to. I was watching quite a bit of Monaco that season. They were good, and they mm-hmm. beat City for work. 
And United were linked with Bernardo Silva at the time when Mourinho was the manager. And I said to the mate that mentioned it to me, he is a fucking brilliant player, but he should not mm-hmm. come to us because we'll ruin him. He's got, he's got, obviously I'd want us to buy him, but he's got to go to City because the kind of player he is, is he's basically David Silva. Like the fact that they were even able to replace David Silva years before he retired with someone who was already yeah. brilliant. But yeah, he, and I could just see what he just stood out a mile in that Benfica team, in that Benfica team that had some very good players in it. And yeah, and 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 Monaco, even the not fact that City don't need to do, yeah, Monaco, yeah, City don't need to do much over the summer, but will if they probably they'll get a left back, yes, and and who knows, maybe an extra midfielder, but they will be on 90 plus points next season, barring some kind of catastrophe. That's the thing uh, and, about Guardiola. And they're already likely to win next season's championship as well. Well, that's the thing sorry, about Guardiola's football. And even when he's not the manager, like we saw it with Spain as well, is it's the hardest football that there is to beat. Because if you think you're working at, say, maximum probably 35% possession, unless you can find better players at playing his football than he can and coach them to play it better than he can, which seems like quite a difficult activity, then you have to play a different style. And playing that different style means that they'll have almost all the ball because you're not really even yeah. trying to have more of the ball than them. So let's say you have 40% possession, which would be a very generous estimate. Probably 20% of that is in your defensive last third, called quarter or That's whatever. Right. Yeah. So then you're having to find the probably two goals that you're going to need to get a draw off of, off of about 20 15% possession around it, anywhere where you're able to do that. Sure, and, it's very efficient. I mean, you said it's like a work of art, but it's cubism, not surrealism. Isn't yeah. It? It's functional. And and uh, I, I, I mean, I, Manchester City fans are interesting, aren't they? Because they are so defensive online. Maybe in person it's different. And just so, so defensive about their position and role in the world and role in football and, and what, Guardiola means and what their football means and but but there's two things that you can't get around one is people find it hard to care about City is constantly going on about the amount of respect his team gets and he clearly feels it the world of football does not respect them and I don't particularly enjoy that football either I don't think I mean this City side is obviously going to win everything and people in decades to come will talk about them winning everything but I don't think they'll talk about them in the same way they talk about Ajax 75 or Milan 1989 or even United 99 right so well that um I, I they'll never get that that kind of respect well there's, there's a few reasons for that like one of them is just there was more of a monoculture in in those days basically if the football was on half almost everyone had to watch it because there wasn't yeah. other stuff going on. So United winning the the Champions League in 99 was kind of a national event because it was the first one since Heysel, so in, in a generation, and they did it in that kind of style. But also just the circumstances, the way society was organised at the time and what, what was going on at the time, just that, that particular time period meant that it became a thing. But that is a thing sort of in the national memory, which isn't the case of this. And partly, I don't know, maybe it's just because that was on terrestrial television, this isn't. I mean, I guess they'll probably put the final on that, but because they have done that before. But it's not partly it's it's not United, it's City, and people care about them less because they haven't been this huge name, this monolith in popular culture for mm. for, for for generations. But I was interested in what you were saying before about the kind of the cubism aspect of the way that City play, because I've been thinking a bit recently as to 
is are we going to get to a point? Maybe we're already there where elite level football is so choreographed that it's that they're almost individual in, individual individual expression is kind of removed from it. Because I've been thinking about this for years when I discovered that. Oh, just I don't know. I, I think this is a fact, but I think I checked it because I noticed it watching football. Is does it make sense if you have a free kick from thirty yards out? Does it make sense to shoot? And I feel like the Not answer really, probably yeah. probably yeah. is no. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, I mean, even the very best there, I think Messi's conversion rate is in the like seven percent range. Yeah, so it's not about like it's about are you more likely to score if you keep take it short and keep possession, or if you put it in the mixer? And I guess we wouldn't be able to yeah. measure that. But it's one of those things that you still you don't want to see it disappear from the game like a free kick. Yeah, yeah. So, but is it the case then that we're increasingly watching players like things appear in the right place in in particular places because it's been pre-planned that that's what they're going to do yeah I mean that's that's I think that's very true of it's particularly true of Guardiola's City oh sorry I'm getting distracted United playing City in the women's and City's keeper's just been sent off not that it's going to make a difference in WSL. Chelsea are clearly going to win that. But anyway, yeah, Guardiola's Gaudio, football is, I mean, he is very planned out and he probably does that more than any other manager because players have to be in a certain position in each zone. It's interesting when it's come to the really big games this season. He's gone for the, the players who give him control over the players that give him some of that fantasy. So Mares and particularly Foden have been out of the side in favour of Grealish and Bernardo Silva because... He gets that kind of control and that's what he wants in those really big games. And and that's part of the reason why it's just like the fantasy players. And he went to a he went to a kind of functional system as well. He went to three at the back in order to get, get the ball to Haaland a little bit earlier this season. I mean, and in that, he's a pragmatic coach as well as a philosophical coach. But I don't know, it doesn't get the blood boiling for me. Blood boiling <laughs> doesn't raise the tent. I think. Yeah. Anyway, I think the hard, words, they're I, hard to say, aren't they? So I think. I think the reason why it happened like that for Foden is partly. I mean, maybe it's just he's having a difficult season. I mean, Giggs had a couple sort of after ninety three, ninety four. Giggs had a couple of the years where he was trying to work out, trying to become the perfect footballer. I think he described it as yeah. trying to work out what he was going to be. And maybe Foden's got a bit of that. But yeah, I think having Haaland rather than a midfield player in there means that he wants someone like Grealish who gives him more control. And the way that start getting stones into midfield is the workaround. And it means, I mean, that performance against Real Madrid the other night was, I'm afraid to say, quite good. And the main thing that was really noticeable was just how many players they had in offensive positions. Whereas when you look at United, even when they have players in offensive positions, and it, I really felt like this against Bournemouth, they're not quite sure what to do to score a goal. What? And no, Ten Hag no, said it. Right. Yeah. And I felt that he was prepared yeah. to say it. It's just that they don't know how to score goals. He said it. And that is, like, that's not something that should be getting said. If you like the show, the way you can support us best is by leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And it really doesn't matter what you say in that review either. You can say you'd rather we talked about Manchester City and Liverpool. Just hit those five stars. Many thanks. That's good to segue into talking about the United Bournemouth game. It was seamless. (laughs) Yeah.
That's right. So, I mean, fun- functional enough from United. I mean, again, totally, totally dominant and didn't really feel like Bournemouth were ever going to get anything out of that game. But yeah, can't score goals. Just can't. And it, it shouldn't make any sense, should it? Because there's plenty of creative players in there. But really... Yeah, quite limp up front. <laughs> Again. There was there's a moment in the first half where they've got this really nice move going and then Gary Taphouse goes on my stream, what Bissafra on the overlap? And it's just like, that was a real hand over eyes moment. And I mean, I thought also, imagine Gary, imagine an interview like Gary Neville doing an hour and a half interviewing him. But also, yeah, one Bissafra on the and he's getting better at picking the right balls, but he's still picking yeah. the wrong ones. And doing them incorrectly yeah, most of the time. Yeah. Even he, he looks like he's closer to doing something, but he's still not doing anything. And what I liked about the goal was, apart from the fact that it was a nice goal, was that it came after a period of pressure. And that is, mm. that is how good teams score their goals. You can see their goals coming rather than something good happens because you have good players on your team. You build up some momentum and then something, and then something happens. And, I felt like we managed to do that against Bournemouth. Was, but then, yeah, we couldn't drive it home. And you said they never, they never really looked like we were going to score. And I agree, like we did seem in more or less control, but they could have scored three times. Yeah, could could have though. I mean, isn't that the that's the could have could have with United? It's it's so much of the season. Fifty two goals. It's just not not nearly enough. Just not. I think. It's the lowest number of goals for decades for a team that's qualified for the Champions League. <laughs> no. Yeah, I mean, and it does. And we haven't qualified for the Champions League yet, but a point, a point in the last two games, surely. I mean, th- that happen. would be. Uh, we're, we're, we'll do some bonus content on this at some point, but if we were to that, because if we were to fail to qualify for the Champions League from here, that would definitely be probably in the top one. Of post Fergie World this year's <laughs> fuck ups, but I would yeah, have been quite a few. Yeah. I still like the Sevilla. The Sevilla game is still like, I mean, I'm over it emotionally because I'm 44 years old. Like you have to get over football emotionally <laughs> more or less like within an hour or two, unless it's because like yeah, enjoy the you wins, have to, though, and put, the, put, the, put the losses somewhere else. But there's just the percolating how we managed to toss that Sevilla tie. Like it hasn't hasn't left. Hasn't left my being yet. And so I was wondering if that was the biggest fuck up of the post Fergie wilderness years. But yeah. I'm... Well, it, it depends how you classify that. I, yeah, you're right. We'll do a whole bonus section on this at some People, point. People, we can but, send, in, uh, send in your nominations. Send, send in your nominations because I think there's different types of screw ups, aren't they? <laughs> you know, they're from, from good position, like 80 minutes in the first leg, 2 0 up, you wouldn't believe that United would lose that 5 2 <laughs> on aggregate, would you? <laughs> uh, uh, but then there's the like the absolute horror shows, uh, Olympiacos away, West Ham away, when when Mourinho went with three at the back, including Scott McTominay. <laughs> you know that was a desperate, desperate cry for help, wasn't it? Seven at Anfield. Um, so the, seven at Anfield. Yeah, there's there's been some special the whole Ralph Ragnick out. situation. Six months of it. Yep. <laughs> so. I tell you, I was pleased that David Brooks played and played well because he yep. he is a player. And he's the player, and he's had a tough time. With can I? I'm going to do a name drop here. When we, sorry, when we when we made Busby, I interviewed Ryan Giggs, and uh, fun. We, we turn up, and uh, the equipment hasn't turned up because obviously you don't step all the cameras with you. So you just there's companies who deliver them to wherever you're shooting. So 
the cameras, the cameras and stuff hasn't turned up. So we call the agent and say, can you tell him that just to hold up at home? No, he's already on the way. He arrives and obviously his reputation as the kind of individual he was, as we were thinking, oh man. And so we end up going, really sorry, but we're going to have to wait probably, uh, probably half an hour for the stuff to come. I guess it was probably an hour and we, um, and he said, oh, it's no problem. I'll just do some emails. I was thinking, who's Ryan Kig's email? He was manager of Wales at the time. Who's <laughs> Ryan Giggs' email? I mean, the mind boggles. But anyway, so we're chatting generally about football. And probably not who you think it is with Ryan yeah, Giggs. And he, I mean, you know. he said that Brooke, he was saying that Brooks is the best player he's got by far with Wales. A brilliant, yeah. brilliant player. Recommended him to United. Mr. Ole was manager, obviously. So we just signed Daniel James. He was actually quite praiseworthy about Daniel James, relatively speaking, but I guess he was playing for him. But he absolutely loved David Brooks. And David Brooks is someone who, every time I've seen him play, I think he could be playing a team much, much higher up. So, yeah, good. And there's been there's been discussions about that in the past, haven't there? It's just his injury problems are, are the real problem there. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about goal. The goal that could because that was nice, nice ball in from Ericsson. So took a little bit of a nick, and the the adjustment by Casemiro to sort of overhead scissor kick whatever it, what, what would you call that get it into the net yeah yeah get you in there exactly he he's he's playing a bit better now and eric i thought yeah i thought yesterday was ericsson's best game since he's come back and he actually won quite a few tackles i i, I wouldn't play ericsson at wembley i don't see that we can carry ericsson at wembley and on a pitch that size and compete with city who have got those players swarming everywhere because there's one less defender. There's one defender, one less defender, one defender fewer <laughs> who were there. But I, I thought that the Casemiro, yeah, is he, I'm watching him do all this stuff that he's doing, like score goals like that, makes me sort of think that if we buy one midfield player, then we could get away with buying someone for Casemiro's position. Let's say that we decided that. I mean, Caicedo probably goes somewhere else, but let's say it was decided that he was the one. You might think we shouldn't buy him because we need someone really like a physical Ericsson is what we really want. But seeing what Casemiro's done going forward this season, I also think if you decided that Caicedo, say, was the best midfielder you could get and he wanted to come, then I'd be thinking it might work to buy someone for that position and then just play Casemiro a bit further forwards. Yeah, maybe. I, I The... Struggle I have with that, the idea that Casemiro is an eight is I just don't know that he's got the energy anymore. I mean, but I guess not if, over a full season. I guess if, yeah, just if the other if the other guy has it, and also United are going to dominate most games, you would hope with the sort of midfield that they should have and a centre forward who can hold the ball. So I I don't know, mm. I I because I, I think we're still at the point where you're sort of you're looking for the right player, but we're not so good that you don't want to make sure you get like the best player that you can get because we oh, don't know it'd be completely transformational if united could buy two players i mean obviously i think we need more than that but two two players a forward and a midfielder because they're the, the two absolute key positions and then after that would come right back in the goalkeeper i guess they would all be very nice wouldn't they that's, <laughs> but, i mean uh, and that's the thing is we do still need half a team yeah 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 that's going to be. It looks very tricky because the sales process hasn't hasn't happened. So it may be that budget is enabled just from operational budget. There's the Bank of America credit line as well. So there's Champions League, there's, uh, and there's the fact there's Champions League. So they know they're getting that, yeah. and there's the fact that let's say like Dean Henderson. Let's say let's say Forrest want to sign Dean Henderson now. Say, but that seems like something that could happen. 
then that's 30 million quid probably that you know you're going to get. Plus, they'll know, they might know about some other sales too. So you can see how we could manage to get a deal or two done, just maybe with the Champions League money and the uh, and, and proceeds of sale. No, that's right. Harry Maguire, Dean Henderson, maybe one of the right backs, although probably not, actually, unless they're bringing another one. So that that will make up the budget. It's just the ongoing doubt about it is is significant. I mean, a, a report today that the Glazers may not decide until after the season's finished, albeit that is only two weeks away. But we're going to be into the window in three weeks' time. They can't possibly know how they're planning to do any of this because they don't know what will get signed off. So once again, it will be a trolley dash at the end of the the window. One imagines. If at all, if the, if the sale happens. So, I, I mean, I, I feel sorry for Ten Hag. He's got to be deeply frustrated at this point. He's trying to build. He's trying to move forward. He knows the problems. I mean, even just a forward would be transformational. Add another 20 goals to this team and, and it's, uh, it's another 10 points better off next season. So. Well, on that point, on the forward point, the aforementioned Garrett's Tap House came out with a good stat, I thought. Did you know, I mean, maybe you're watching the same stream as me, but did you know that... Anthony Martial has not scored in consecutive games in three years. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not know. No, no, different different feed here um, the, on the NBC yeah, feed. Yeah, that, that is some really, yeah. that's some exceptional behaviour. And I mean, I know he's been injured but still because he's playing in a team. Like, under Ole, that team scored loads of goals. Yeah. Has he actually completed 90 minutes since he, came, since he came back into the side? I'm not sure he has. I don't think he's actually played full 90 minutes. I'm not sure. I mean... He, yeah, he had some moments, I guess, but he doesn't, he looks even slower than before. Before it felt, I'm starting to wonder if he, previously it felt like he looked slow out of attitude and that feels, because he looks slow. No, I I, I think the injuries have, yeah. yeah. It it may be that it hasn't knocked him back physically, but mentally doesn't trust his body anymore. It could just be that. It could well be. He's not, I mean, United can't command a fee for him, so he won't be adding to the budget. He, in, in all or likelihood, if they want to get him off the books, they'll have to pay part of his wages because he's on mega wage, obviously. The Since we've given up on the game already, the other announcement this week, Phil Jones will be leaving, unsurprisingly. <laughs> yeah, he put a post out to say thank you for all the support he's got. I mean, I, I, I don't... I'm not going to have a go at him because I think he's he's a deeply, deeply unlucky <laughs> Deeply unlucky man. I mean, I'm just going to assume it's bad luck rather than, than lack I'm of I'm sure it's that. I, it I, felt, I felt sad when yeah. I read that message because the frustration yeah. he must have experienced must be very significant that you think you're yeah. going to have a long, successful career at Manchester United and then you become you a don't. joke. Yeah. And, I mean, he'll know all the things that people say about him and that we've all said about him, but... He does still have the league championship winner's medal and presumably quite hopefully a lot of money as well. So, but the frustration of not being able to express your talent is, I mean, that must be extremely upsetting for him. Yeah. And I'm not sure if he'll play again, find another club, honestly, because he hasn't trained at all this season. His his knee injury reoccurred and it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't retire because, yeah, it's, it's a big risk for any club to take him on. And does he really want to go and play in the championship or something I bet, like that? I, I would so. imagine he would, he just wants to play. Yeah, I'm sure he'd play in the championship. I, I just I imagine he just wants to play. 
It's just whether yeah. whether he'll be able to or not. But on that position, Lindelof is playing quite well, which yeah. I'm finding a partial concern. <laughs> because, and I hate, because I think that Lindelof is a good, is a decent player. I think he's good enough to play on the side, to be the first choice in the side that makes the top four. I don't think he's good enough to play the first choice in the side, tries, wants to do more than that. Yeah. So I'd be happy for him to play centre-back in the cup final, but I can't escape well, he's going to have to. Well, no, like he's not. I, I think that I would not play him there because I can't see. I feel that how's he not getting ragdolled by Haaland? I'd mu- I feel like I'd much rather Shaw was up against Haaland. One of the other, one of the others was at left back, even though we miss Shaw going forward at left back, because I just, I don't think that Lindelof has like physically, if you're Haaland, you're just, you're standing on Lindelof because you know you're going to beat him to every header and to every ball in behind. And I don't, I don't see how. Yeah, I'm, I don't see how we yeah. how we'd be getting how how we getting away. With it. That's not to say that Lindelof can play well against good players. It's just, it's just Haaland. It's particularly Haaland because he's pace and strength. Mm-hmm. Like one or one of the one or if you're playing, if he's playing someone who's got one of the two, then he can maybe compensate in other ways. But someone who's playing in a better team and is faster and stronger. I would say I'd be wanting Shaw and Varane to deal with that, not not Lindelof. But it doesn't look yeah, like that'll I, be what happens. I mean, I, I haven't. Like, I don't think Lindelof suddenly become physically more powerful or anything like that. I, I think he's not faced too many forwards in recent weeks who've given him that challenge. But it is for sure his weakness in that he's he's not up for a physical challenge, for physical confrontation. Sure, on the other hand, I mean, certainly is. He may be, well, six foot one officially. No one believes that. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I'm 6'2". There's no way that guy is an inch short, shorter than me. So, <laughs> But but he is. He's pretty strong. He showed me a couple of times yesterday, actually, against Bournemouth. I thought how comfortably he deals with those kind of physical confrontations. He, he looked actually injured in the warm-up, didn't he? There was a second where it looked like he might um, might have to drop out in the warm-up, but apparently not. I did not know you were uh, 6'2". Yeah. It... So, you did not know I was 6'2"? No, because like, I've, well, I've only ever seen you sitting down. I, I... That's right. <laughs> that's, that's, that, that's, yeah, that's rocked my world. Any other physical dimensions ch- of mine you'd like to know? Oh, no, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just going to edit you out of my file. I'm going to change it to Big Ed Barker. Big Ed, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Look at that. And it's not—it's not the six foot two we're talking about. No, no. I never—I'm uh, five eleven. Never quite got to six foot. I thought I was gonna, and I guess now I'm probably on the shrink. So, when does that start happening? So I, I would say for some people that started. I don't—I haven't measured myself recently, so I don't know if it started for me. But I would definitely say at your big age, it could—it could be starting. I'd check. <laughs> I was still six two. <laughs> I thought. I thought that their defender was good, Senesi. Yeah, he had a good game, yeah. yeah. I don't think I've seen him yeah. play before, so maybe... So yeah. I don't know if he plays like that always, but he looked like a, he looked a good player to me. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it turned out to just be crap. But yeah, he looked... I mean, they've had a good season, Bournemouth. They, they were, they've, they've, been, they've lost three in a row, but, and it looks like their season's sort of finishing with a limp, but they were comfortably avoiding relegation. Gary O'Neill, manager, never managed a team before. That's kind of done a good job on one of the smallest budgets in the Premier League. Just with tiny ground, all of that. 
So yeah, just with players. You see, when you look, I mean, you often do think this, and I guess it's because how much of the championship do, do I get to watch? Maybe it's just that when you see the teams that come up, and I almost always reckon that at least two of them are going down again. And partly that's because that sometimes happens. Pretty much no way. But there are, there are, they, yep. they do often surprise you. So I'm never yeah. totally surprised to be surprised, but I had no idea how... Like You think Forest, if it works, could stay up, but it never occurred to me that Fulham and Bournemouth would. Yeah. Well, it's kind of interesting because it's, I mean, it's not that much of the squad left that Scott Parker disappeared from, claiming they were all crap and they would... <laughs> <laughs> Not always the best way of getting on with your players, I thought there, Scott. But but yeah, they, they, they've done pretty well. And they were all right yesterday. United were all right, just about. I mean, Ten Hag was very complimentary of the performance. I don't know. I guess for, for half an hour, they probably did what he wants them to do. Yeah. They didn't create enough chances or take the chance, enough of the chances that they created. But in terms of what he would want a football match to look like, I think it, thinking about it on reflection, that it probably looks quite a lot like that first twenty minutes to half an hour because that's they right. Get out the first half, not the second half. Yeah, I mean, he definitely wants a dominant side. He and he 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 could have that if Casemiro is not knackered. Although shouldn't be knackered the amount of times he's suspended. If Ericsson had more than sixty minutes in him, which he doesn't really. If Bruno was disciplined enough, which he can be. <laughs> and and it, you know if United had a forward or some some players who are a little more just a little more intelligent in the final, so third, a whole different then, team then basically, sco- whole different team. Yeah, and then, if we had that, we'd be uh, we'd be yeah, yeah, absolutely a threat, absolutely sorted. Yeah, so I I mean ultimately it is a trophy and it is top four, and that's a pretty good effort. I mean the problem is the circumstances that surround it. If we're playing almost anyone else in the cup final, then obviously it would be, we'd be probably feeling a lot less happy, a lot more happy, a lot happier. But also I'd probably be feeling happier if we weren't in the cup final. <laughs> well, <laughs> because at least I would have put away not being in the cup final by now. Should I go to the cup final? Should I drop a couple of grand on going to the cup final for the small chance we're not going to get annihilated? Might do. You, you, you can't it's... never ne- never test United. That's that is something. And like every now and again, like something's happened where yeah. I'm like, this won't go. Well, in oh six oh seven, I don't. I've missed not very many aways that season. And in a moment of total madness, I booked a flight to New York to over the Liverpool game. Just, I remember saying to me, I probably won't get a ticket anyway. It'll just be aggravation, like not having a ticket. I'll be angry. So. If I'm not in the country, then it's fine. And then as we get up at like five and six in the morning, whatever it is, to go and watch the game, you know, we get that free kick. And I said to him, if we score from this, I'm going to regret this holiday for the rest of my life. Yeah. And then obviously we do. And it is that almost bittersweet moment because I did, I could have, I could have gone to that game. It turned out quite easy, like with a ticket. Had, and yeah. So never, never test United. That is, that is what I would say. But, no, that's but right. Uh, it doesn't. At yeah. this point, I'm finding it a little bit easier to see a way we could possibly win than I was a few days ago. But I guess it'll probably require quite a few whiskeys synagogue on on, 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 on on the Shabbat morning before I convince myself that I think we exactly. can win that you'll game. Exactly, you get a vision then. Yeah, yeah I feel like I'm going to uh, need. All right, I'm going to need to. Yeah. 
artificial enhancements to be able. But if these players, like they're good players. They've got, they do have a performance. They, they in are them. good. They players, do have yeah. a performance they in do. them. But yeah, who knows? They do. We'll do a deeper preview. But I think it's going to need some special, special thinking by Ten Hag and some uh, slightly adjusted tactics. We're not we're clearly not going to be able to go toe to toe with City and play exactly the same way. And and we just won't get the. Ball I mean, anyway, he's tried so it. It's... He sort of did it in both games, and he won one and yeah. lost one. But I like yeah. Fergie. Even when we were much better than Arsenal. When we played Arsenal, he would make sure that we stopped them doing their thing because then yeah. we could just we were capable of doing a, a few other things besides. He was doing that even yeah. when we were playing teams who weren't as good as we are. And yeah. I, I mean, I, the, I was the, ten the, the perfect case being Phil Neville kicking yeah, Antonio Reyes around the pitch yeah. for but, ninety minutes, which was great. At some point, yeah, he Ten Hag should take his his mates and go out and not come home until he's come up. With the way that this is good, <laughs> with, the with the way that yeah. this is going to be, yeah, it does. It does need something, but like because he needs to work out, like because when 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 te- when managers change things in football, when the tactical game shifts a little bit, sometimes it takes a, a little while for people to learn what the antidote to that thing is. And there's been this yeah. huge development. And it doesn't. It, it hasn't like revolutionized the game or anything, but it has changed what playing Guardiola's team is, and. So he needs, so Ten Hag needs to work out where the weak points are in that. And I think he does seem to be quite good at that. I'm not certain he's going to pick, I was about to say pick the right team for the job. But what I actually mean is the team that I would have picked. And I think he probably knows better than me what the right team is. (laughs) Are you sure about that? Yeah, but... Uh, so I, I know you have to leave shortly. So quick, quick view on Chelsea on Thursday. I mean, Chelsea have failed to score in 14 Premier League games this season. <laughs> They've got 30 something goals. So obviously they're going to rack up a hatful at Old Trafford on Thursday after me saying that. they, they it, It's so weird from such a collection of expensive and talented players. They're getting almost nothing out of it at the moment. They had more than £650 million worth of players in their squad at City today. Obviously, City had £780-odd million pounds worth of players in their squad today, most of them on the bench. But, uh, yeah, they, they are really not giving much at all for whatever manager's in charge. They managed to win at Bournemouth the other week, but apart from that, it's a whole bunch of losses under Lampard. Yeah, they, they, I wrote on today that they're, they're, like, they're playing football like they've had the how-to-play football part of their brains removed. They, they did have a few chances, but... City were playing at half pace. I mean, so are they in fairness. So it's hard. It's hard to think they're going to turn up at Old Trafford and go absolutely wild. I would say, I'd be amazed if United don't get the point that they need. But obviously, not at all amazed at the same time. Yeah, I mean, re- really should do. I, they, it, this is a Chelsea team that is completely incoherent. I mean, it looks like Pochettino is turning up. He will clearly turn them into something. I um, think he'll quite like that squad to, because yeah. he's got so many yeah, options. Yeah, no, he can just get players there. He yeah. can just get rid of some, and it's not his fault because he wasn't the one who bust a shitload of money on them. So they, they, I mean, they don't have many players that I would that I would take, but that doesn't mean that Pochettino can't turn them into a good team quite quickly. I think so. I mean, can he get something out of? Raheem Sterling has been dreadful all year. Can he work out what position Kai Havertz should actually play in? What's the balance in midfield? Can he find a forward? They'll have to spend money on that. He's got... Who's the lad from Leipzig that's coming in? <laughs> Completely forgotten oh, his Kunku, name. Kunku. 
Okay, he's, he's yeah, he'll probably play off the left, but as Madrid wants to play off the left as well. So, I mean, they have options everywhere. I mean, obviously, Ankanku is not there on Thursday, but I think Pochettino will enjoy that squad. He's got plenty of younger players with the kind of high energy game he wants to play. He wasn't able to at Paris Saint Germain. Yeah, and he'll have um, a full preseason. That's, yeah, because yeah. there's no, no, no tournament. So, I mean, next season will be will be very will be hard. Like, I mean, obviously you expect City will win the league at some, but behind City, like Chelsea, United, Arsenal, Liverpool, Newcastle, Newcastle, Man Tottenham are going to have a new manager, yeah. so they're going to have to spend money. You don't know if he's going to yeah. be good. I was told someone told me it was going. It's the final guy on a slot. And Arnie Slot, yeah. yeah, seems seems to be, yeah, um, yeah. So, I, I mean, they'll like, and and, and Brighton are good. I don't know who they're going to get to keep, but good enough to beat most of those teams. So, not yeah. not enough times to get top four, but the standard at the top should be high. The thing, the thing, it feels like the it should be, the, yeah, oh, at least competitive. I don't think the teams will be that good yet, like beneath City. But what sort of change is just obviously the. the the, the teams at the top are sort of finding it easier to make to get past all the team all the other teams because they just tend to have more options. So yeah, yeah. I mean, the disparity between the top and the bottom in terms of points is quite high this season. Like, I'm always kind of reluctant to say there's some brand new trend here, but it does look like that at least this season. I mean, it should be ultra competitive next year. You'd expect here. I mean, Arsenal massively outperformed their underlying data this season, so. Whether they can do that again is well, a big question. But they will so. sign. They'll probably sign a couple of the players that will make, like, at least yeah. one player. They'll sign Jacker's replacement. who will be a better player than Jacker is, and yeah. go into the first team. And make, and like make Rice at this minute, yeah, and they might end up replacing yeah. Partey as well. So that yeah. they can get better that way. But yeah, I, I mean, I I don't think that their best is that much better than Liverpool's best or United's best. No, no, and and it's been a weird season for Liverpool, and they they've clearly come good at the end of the season. Didn't manage to beat Villa yesterday, but yeah, you know, that's what I think that's six wins out of the last seven or something for Liverpool. So that's much more like you'd expect of Klopp's side, and I imagine they'll be much much better next season. So yeah, it's going to be difficult, and I like. It's obviously hard to say what's going to happen this summer with United because it depends so much on the ownership. But it, you can definitely paint a doom and gloom scenario from here on in that it's going to be going to be a tough ride. But well, that, that, that's for later. For now, I'm sure United will get the point against Chelsea. It's, it's enough that he can rest all his players against Fulham. He won't, of course, because Ten Hag doesn't like to rest anyone. I mean, he keeps some. But he should he do. Keeps some t- I guess he quite likes to keep keep them ticking over. I mean, Guardiola did that today. Like you bring them on, like give them half an hour because you don't want them not yeah. having competed. Full intensity for two for, for two, two weeks. weeks yeah, yeah. So you do you do have to you do have to do something, but it is nice that they don't have to think about game planning or whatever. If they get that point against Chelsea, then they can literally just spend the next two weeks preparing for the cup final, and it's going to take right. some preparing. But yeah, they need to get on with it and do it. Yeah. All right. Thanks a lot, Daniel. Oh, go enjoy your evening. What are you doing? You're out celebrating City's win, are you? No, I'm not. It's the synagogue AGM. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Report back in the next pod. How that <laughs> went. Everyone else will... We'll, uh, Patreon backers will do some bonus content on Thursday. Everyone else will be back on Thursday and then next weekend for the final game of the season. Thanks a lot, everyone. Please.